Are there any other recordings that we should be concerned of? Uh, I don't know of any recordings that you should be re, uh, concerned with because I don't do things wrong. I do things right. I'm a legitimate person. You're not concerned then with your own voice on those re on those recordings? My voice was fine. What did I say wrong on those recordings? I didn't even see the recording. All I know is I did nothing wrong. We had a lot of papers, a lot of papers stacked up. Mm. In fact, you could hear the rustle of the paper, and nobody said I did anything wrong other than the fake news, which, of course, is Fox, too. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. I think it's more than just the fake news that's saying... Donald Trump might have done something wrong. I don't know. I don't really care. Just classified documents. Who the hell cares? Everybody's got them. He, for, for once, finally looks old. He finally looks very old and a little tired. That's the big thing with him. The Energizer Bunny, the guy just never runs out of energy. Maybe that's finally slowing down. This is the Stone on Air podcast for June 29th, 2023. Life. And yeah, I mean, I don't care who the president is. Everybody who hates Trump so much, uh, they just completely just ignore the fact that if it's not Trump as the nomination and the nominee, then it's going to be Ron DeSantis or Sanctimonious. And he is all the policy that uh, all the MAGA types want. Well, that's what DeSantis does. And he lives in the culture wars. That's where they now brew is in Florida. To hell with a swing state. Florida, Florida ain't no damn swing state. Sorry for the butchered English grammar there. It ain't no swing state. And so I hate Trump. I don't want Trump to be president. All right, fine. Well, then it's going to likely be Ron DeSantis or Pence, which is not going to be Pence, but somebody like that um, that will make Joe Biden looks stupid on a daily and nightly basis. Those two idiots, those two clowns mumbling and fumbling all over the place make each other look stupid. And in comparison, Biden might win that. I mean, it might be weekend at Bernie's. Roll him out there and he's going to win against uh, dumbass Trump. So um, whatever. Again, I don't I don't care who the president is. I have my preferences of who the president is. But at the end of the day, I don't concern myself with silly nonsense like who the leader of the free world is, right? Welcome into the Stone On Air podcast. My name is Brian. You likely already know that by now. I do this show every single Thursday, or at least almost every single Thursday, about 48 to 50 times a year or so, the somewhat-ish midweek download destination for thousands in the city of Chattanooga, at Stone On Air on all social media, and been now doing this show as a hybrid radio slash podcast for well over eight years, and um, a standalone all by itself, almost a full seven years, depending on how you do the math. More on that in the final segment of the show, which I'll go ahead and lay out for you right now. Um, in that final segment, Kevin West is stepping down, or he's retiring. He's retiring from Talk Radio 102.3, the frauds that um, I used to work for for years, and it was beloved to me, and 
Now, uh, not so much. But um, I, I'm, I'm not going to be a total dick about it, but I am not going to not be me to a certain degree. Um, you can count me out of the slurp fest and the, oh, Kevin, you'll be so missed. First of all, he won't be missed. That radio station is a sewer. It's an absolute poisonous sewer of um, of just of drivel, of asinine drivel on a daily basis. But uh, he's done very good work, and I have had a great relationship with Kevin. I will talk about that in the final segment, along with it happens to be the same week as an anniversary date. If you've been around here for a long time, you can take a guess as to what that anniversary date is. That'll be in the final segment of the show. Like I said, I won't not be me, but I won't entirely be me the whole time either. I'll have a nice little balance between the two. In the middle segment, the second segment of the show, I went to the first, what is it called? First Bank Amphitheater. Unfortunately, it has to have a crappy bank name in Franklin, and it is a really, really cool venue. I want to talk about that a little bit, along with uh, one of the final pieces, speaking of people who are retiring, people who should be celebrated, as Kevin should be, uh, Barry Corder, at one of his final times, Free Press pieces, I'll um, talk about should we have something like that here, and also just kind of give you the play-by-play of the Noel Gallagher show, when we were supposed to get slammed by a, a storm that was crashing all over the southeast and creating havoc across the southeast, And did it get us or didn't it? I'll get to that in the second segment of the show, along with three pieces of audio at the tail end of this open. About 10 minutes or so from now, I'll get you the realest thing. What did I call the second one? Oh, the worst idea. And then also the coolest thing coming up here shortly. But this week has been kind of one of those days where I wish I did have a radio show because there's been something kind of to discuss or something that interests me virtually every day. So I had to just pick a few here on the open. Have you seen the Grimace Shake? You probably haven't. You probably haven't because most people my age-ish or older or even somewhat younger still are obsessed with Instagram and and the stupid reels that they do. Well, on TikTok, there have been 145 million views of the hashtag Grimace Shake. And Grimace is the dude, the um, the purple guy from McDonald's. Well, I guess it's his birthday or something, or they're pretending like it is. And for a limited time, you can get a milkshake that's purple. And the Gen Z crowd are really doing well. This is quite creative, as a matter of fact. Um, some of them are quite funny. And if basically the premise is if you drink this milkshake, then you die a horrifically scary um, horror movie style death. And <laughs> I'm sure plenty of them are awfully stupid, too. And maybe depending on who you ask, all of them are stupid. But it's pretty funny. The Grimace Shake TikTok trend. Look for it on an Instagram reel in the next, oh, I don't know, say six weeks or so. Speaking of social media apps. Twitter continues to become a more and more of a cesspool. It is now pretty much plummeted to the bottom of the of the cesspool of social medias. You know you're really screwing things up if Facebook is a better place for information than crappy Twitter. They have removed all verification. They have removed um, any kind of spell check even. Like, spell check's not even accurate on there anymore. I mean, that's what happens when uh, Elmo Musk, Elon Musk, goes in there and gets rid of the entire staff. I mean, I know they were probably overstaffed as a publicly traded company wasting a lot of money, but 
Um, there's this new one now called the Blue Sky app, and one of the uh, the founders of this app is one of the original founders of Twitter, Jack Dorsey. As of now, it is invite only. I have sent the email to try to get that invite. I think there's only about 100,000 people on it as of now, but it is a, just another version of Twitter. Really, I won't bore you with all the details. If you care enough, you'll go look. But all the good things about Twitter might come back if this thing were to take off. We'll see. I, I've noticed since all the blue checks are gone and there's no verification process and the disinformation is just beyond what it ever has been on socials, there's now yellow checks. And I wonder what the hell yellow checks meant. The blue check means you bought it. So $8 a month, if you have a blue check, that means you pay for Twitter. So you look like a total dope if that's what anybody's doing with a blue check. Well, the yellow check is a verified business account. So the Times Free Press has one. Um, Major League Baseball has one. However many others. And what th- how you get the yellow check is you pay $1,000 a month. So for $12,000 a year, the Chattanooga Times Free Press, they can't staff anybody because they can't sell any advertising because they can't sell iPads to sell their paper that nobody wants to read. Other than me, by the way, I, I do like the paper, but it's uh, thankfully I get it for free online. I'm not sure how I do that. Promise me you don't tell anybody. Keep that between you and me. But for $12,000 a year, you get a yellow check. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. So I am hoping this blue sky thing becomes the next uh, information source, um, like in real time kind of app and can be what we all wanted Twitter to be. I'm not holding my breath. Um, I'm not going to do, oh my God, can you believe the weather? But I will mention the weather here for a second because it is a little bit more than just small talk. This is actually one of those years when you can say, oh, can you believe it out here? The first two months of late mid-spring into early summer, as opposed to every other year when people are like, can you believe how this weather's been? Yeah, I can absolutely believe it, numbnut. This is exactly how the weather is virtually every, every year. It, it, it First of all, it's a little unpredictable in the South as far as storms go and heat and uh, fronts and all of that. Well, this year, there has been really cool couple of months into the almost summer. I know it doesn't officially become summer until what? Last week, exactly. But May and especially June, we barely touched 90 in this month. In this month. Hashtag my other month coming to a close, which I'm actually kind of happy about because it is 90. And it's going to get hotter every day for the next seven days into the weekend. We're going to get near 100 degrees. And a lot of that's coming from the front that's hitting in Texas. It's got some kind of a clever name to you know clickbait on to go read about why it's 110 in Texas, which does happen from time to time. And this is not unusual either. It's not in July. It's not unusual to be in the mid to upper 90s. We're just kind of even and out here. But May and June have been so wet and so mild, and it's been an actual difference in the pattern. I'm not trying to make a greater point here. I'm not trying to say we need different kind of policy, and I'm not trying to tell people what to believe ideologically. I'm just saying if you want to talk about the crazy weather and do it in a real accurate and relevant context, this is the year to do it. Not every other year when it's basically the same as it always is. So get ready for blazing hot temperatures into the weekend. Just in time for EPB electric rate boost, as the headline says from uh, the Times Free Press. Speaking of which, 
not until October, so it says, but you'll feel the numbers jump as your usage will jump in July. EPB directors adopted a $650 million power budget. Starting on October 1st, you'll go up 4%. Uh, that will add roughly about $5 a month. They said the last rate increase was in 2015. And the reason it stayed low for uh, the, the, because they're never going to go that long. They're not. They're not just being cool and a good company and going to go eight years without a rate increase. They got a two point five percent wholesale credit because of the uh, ridiculous overreaction to the flu, the pandemic relief program, which ended here recently. So of course they're going to immediately pass that on to us. Uh, the thing that people probably care about the most. What about the other rates from the EPB that I've been continuing to say, watch out. It's been so long. It has actually been a very long time since the uh, the, the fiber optics rates have increased. It says despite the increase in EPB's electric rates, the utility is not planning an increase in its fiber optic rates for Internet connections in the new fiscal year. EPB is likely to raise rates for television content through its video plans, and those typically take place in January. So while TV continues to get crappier and crappier and crappier, it's going to get more and more and more. Thankfully, I, well, I'm a direct TV guy, but I won't be doing that a whole heck of a lot longer. I have to move quick here as I'm already running out of time here on the open. Um, have you looked at used cars recently? I know you know, everything wood, wood shortage, wood so expensive. There's a shortage on everything. Well, that happened with the used car market uh, post-pandemic, and I uh, thought that had cooled off. Not at all. I'm in the market for a new car, a new-to-me car, not a new car, like a brand new one because I don't have that kind of money. I don't hardly have the kind of money it takes to buy a goddamn used car either. I was looking at a Toyota Yaris, a uh, 2015. It's the new version of the Echo that I drove for 17 years. It was a fabulous car, but it ain't nothing special about it. It's nothing to get overly excited about, and it's nothing to be, you know, like flaunting, right? It's just a good quality automobile. $15,000 for an 80,000-mile, eight-year-old car. $15,000. I did, and I've, I've priced them all over the country. This is, this is how much they cost. And I did the uh, sales research on this exact brand. It sold for sixteen five. In 20, late 2014, early 2015, 16.5. Eight years and 80,000 miles later, it's 14.9. Absolutely, it's, it's, it's absurd. It's obscene. The Tennessee, but though, according to this list from the new Chattanooga Times Free Press, where I don't know where they get this from. It probably says here somewhere, the U.S. Borough of Transportation Statistics. Tennessee among the cheapest states to own a car. The cheapest is West Virginia. Top 10 is Kansas. Number nine, the cheapest state, ninth in the country, is Tennessee. So if I'm paying $14.9 for a car that cost $16.5 eight years ago and 80,000 miles ago, and that's the ninth cheapest I'm going to find in the country, well, that certainly sucks. And the final one here before I get to the audio is look for it as we know it's coming, but they... Put it out there so I'll make sure everybody's aware. Chattanooga police targeting loud cars, DUIs, and reckless driving and focused enforcement. It doesn't say specifically around the holiday of the 4th coming up next week, but you know that they're going to. Uh, it starts off here with talking about how loud the cars are. Think when the Riverside car show is down at the pavilion and everybody revs up their engines like a bunch of douchebags all over town 
if they really care about this, go to Nightfall and you can arrest half the people that show up. So it, it show me that you truly mean you're after loud and obnoxious and targeting those kinds of vehicles or or bikes, motorcycles. Pr- sh- prove to me that that's what you're actually doing and go arrest two-thirds of everybody who goes to Nightfall and parks right down there by the closed road. Until you do that, I will not believe you. I believe this is more of a DUI push that they're also going to incorporate reckless driving and everything else. As of the end of May, Chattanooga Police have cited 337 people for DUIs, according to department data. data. That is 35% more than this same time last year. You think people are drinking and driving more now? I don't. I think they're doing it the exact same amount of time. They've got the numbers up, and they're going to push to get them even higher. And while I don't drink anymore and think uh, everybody should probably stop, I still think and will still fight for the DUI, the buzzed driving is drunk driving thing, which is a complete load of shit. It's not at all, and there should be discretion used in that department, and it's not. It's the opposite of that. It's almost a zero tolerance thing, and uh, I I don't even have time to begin that. The DUI laws are absurd. And people are being arrested for things that the same people are being arrested for who are menaces to society. And they're two completely different things. And that's all the time I have for that right now. I just crumpled up the wrong piece of paper. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> what did I do with it? Let's do, um, and I'll find it while I uh, I know what the first one is. It's the realest thing. I'm not saying I'm an RFK Jr. guy, but I might be today's realest thing. And the question now is, are we willing to do anything like that today? Or are we going to remain stuck in a self-righteous story in which America is categorically good and our opponents are irredeemably evil? If we remain stuck there, so will every other nation. It's not only America that's fallen into this simplistic good guy, bad guy thinking. That's the example we've set for everybody in the world. A wonder it's been replicated everywhere between Israel and Iran, between India and Pakistan, between Shia and Sunni, between Jew and Arab. It's tribalistic. Us versus them thinking is tearing us apart. These are the wages of war. But when we take the first step toward peace, we will become once again a true world leader, a moral leader, a moral authority. Man, he is difficult to listen to. I know he's had the throat problems or whatever, but I love his point. Everything doesn't have to be so adversarial as the media makes it out to be and it, it and 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 social media creates everything doesn't have to be good guy versus bad guy it doesn't always have to be good versus evil we can all live in and all be like somewhat good too right and we just don't operate like that in america so i enjoyed that again i don't tell i'm not telling you who i'm supporting because i at this point have not even spent a lot of time thinking about it and I know a lot of people, the anti-vaxxers or the people who think he's an anti-vaxxer, which maybe he is, I don't know, hate the guy. I don't, but hey, what the hell am I supposed to do here? I got nothing to choose from. Hence, today's worst idea. It's binary. You have Biden or you have Trump. Mm. That's it. The media will tell you that other people have a chance. No one has a chance. No. It's Biden or it's Trump. Biden is the establishment. He's been in Congress. He's been in that swamp for 50, 60, 70 years. He's a part of King Obama. He's a part of the Clintons. He's a part of the Bushes. He's a part of all these people that lied about all the wars, that spend all your money, that do one thing and tell you to do another thing. This is the group of people that are in charge. You either vote for that or the only person that's the outlier and different. Man, that's, that's it. 
And that sucks because some people say, I don't like Trump. Great, you don't like Trump. What's your other option? There's no other option. Yeah. It's either you, you comply and you plug in and you eat bugs for the rest of your fucking life <laughs> or you pick one guy that will at least try. And if you're giving me the choice, it's got to be one of the two decrepit, old, senile men. I'm going to pick Biden every single time. And this will be good to segue into the next segment. This is today's coolest thing. It's Adam Durst from the Counting Crows. There's no song except for A Long December that I want to play every night forever. For some reason, I'm never tired of A Long December. But every other song, there's been a night where I didn't want to play it. What's the difference? For some reason, that one song... There's just never been a night where I didn't feel like playing it. And I couldn't tell you why. Because it's not true of anything else. I'm always happy to play a long December. And I don't know why it is. What do you think of when you play it? It just feels perfect. Not that it's the best song I've ever written, but there's something perfect about that song. Something timeless about that song. Something forever about that song. It felt like when I wrote it, it felt like it wrote itself. That whole song was written and recorded in under 24 hours. It's okay to say that that's your best song, dude, because it absolutely is. And um, that kind of brings me to the beginning of next segment and my thoughts on I, I can't have it both ways. I'm now complaining about both. I'm complaining about jam bands, and now I'm complaining about the same set every night. And I understand that is a frustrating thing coming from a dude who's trying to be um, cohesive a lot as much as I can. I understand that I've been very contradictory, and I'll uh, I'll speak to that as I get into the uh, Noel Gallagher show from this past weekend, but more specifically to that segment also with this new um, amphitheater. And what it reminds me of, well, a place I've never actually been, but from what I can tell online, it looks very similar. And I'll get to all that coming up next on the Stone On Air podcast. I think you should. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. I am Noel Gallagher, and these are my most Googled questions, apparently. What is Noel Gallagher's new song about? It's about four and a half minutes. I don't like talking about what my song is about. You've got to work that out for yourself. What is Noel Gallagher doing now? I'm making an album, doing promo, watching the football, getting ready to go on holiday. Yeah, generally being f***ing brilliant. Five days a week, amazing. What is Noel Gallagher's latest album? Well, it's f***ing history-making, is what it is, because it's my 12th number one album in f***ing row. What songs does Noel Gallagher sing in Oasis? Well, Noel Gallagher is not in Oasis anymore. But when he was, he used to sing Half the World Away, Don't Look Back in Anger, Talk Tonight, Important to Be an Idol, to name but a few. Is Noel Gallagher left-handed? Yes, he is, and he plays guitar right-handed. But I am left-handed, I'm both. I'm ambidextrous, special flyer. I did not know that. I did not know that he was left-handed but played the guitar right-handed. Love Noel, man. He is so funny. He is so great. This is not Noel singing this. It's his brother, Liam. The song is called Supersonic. I play it for a reason, which I will get to here in just a few minutes. Speaking of heat, man, ugh. I got the AC set at 79 just because I'm a cheap bastard and really it's less about being cheap and more about being poor I turn it down to 76 at night 
So it's all right by then. But I just don't, I just can't stand hearing that thing cranked up and cranked up. And when I'm not doing anything and I'm just sitting around the house watching TV or something, then it's fine. I can handle it. But when I when I work, when I do this, my adrenaline picks up and my heart rate picks up, and I generally get warmer quicker. And, uh, whew, God, I am literally sweating. And I just got done cooking dinner, too, right before all this. It's, it is actually quite a late start for me tonight, which is fine uh, because I got everything I needed done today. But, uh, man, this is when the summer starts to suck. And I can't, speaking of contradicting, contradicting, I say that I, uh, I love the summer and then I start bitching about it being hot. So, trust me, I'm sorry. I understand that that is quite annoying. So I went to see Noel Gallagher, lead singer and primary songwriter of Oasis and the band Garbage on Sunday night at the First Bank Amphitheater in Franklin, Tennessee. And I'll also get to more of that in a minute, to um, specifically on the amphitheater itself. But to get to the contradiction, I was complaining like crazy about Goose and overall just kind of saying I'm done with the jam band thing. And I'm tired of this idea that if you played the song the night before, you can't play it the next night. Drives me crazy. Well, the same, the or the, the the complete, I should say, the exact opposite of that is what most bands actually do, which is play the exact same set every night. Well, I don't like that either. So I just can't be, uh, I can't be satisfied in this situation. And so, and Noel's always been that guy. He plays the exact same set. Every single night. So I did everything I could to make sure I didn't look at the set list. And I complained about the Foo Fighters. They're playing the same set every night. I went on and on about how awesome the corn show was at Bonnaroo. Uh, on the show last week at Bonnaroo just about two weeks ago now. Well, I looked at this tour. They're playing that same set every single night. So it's just, I don't know, just deal with it, dude, I guess. But so it's a Gen Xer's dream, a 90s kid's dream at this new amphitheater in Franklin with garbage and a bunch of, uh, while sleepy, still uh, old oasis at this place, the First Bank Amphitheater in Franklin. And I'm telling you, this place, while I didn't love everything about it, and I certainly didn't love the location, I really, really, really did like the actual venue itself. And I'm going to go so far to say it is the South Red Rocks. I'll get to more of that in a few. But first, let's uh, the quotable Noel Gallagher. First, we'll start with Garbage. They were fine. Shirley Manson, once upon a time, one of the hottest lead singing women in rock and roll. Not so much anymore. Now she's going on 60 years old, so that happens. Uh, the amount of LGBTQ talk that she did, which it, it's Pride Month, so that's fine. I don't care if they do it if she did it every single minute of her life. I thought, well, she must be lesbian. She's not, but um, clearly she's a supporter, and that's cool. But that was pretty much her. Uh, she she couldn't not be her for the night, but totally cool with that. But Noel uh, was being his typical asshole self, and quite funny often too. Real quick here, um, he goes to play about the fifth song of the night. And he's like, uh, hey, I've got, you know, the, I've got a new album out, and this song is not supersonic. Right? That was the song I just played coming back. For reference, this is how supersonic sounds like to open. All right, when we hear that as big Oasis fans, we know that's supersonic. And so he he tricked me. I heard him say that, but I couldn't make out exactly what he said. Like, I didn't process yet. 
And I thought, oh my God, he's going to play Supersonic. And then, no, he didn't. Because what he did was, and this is a very good uh, song on the new record, it's called Open the Door, See What You Find, starts like this. Basically the same. So the difference is, is the hi-hat. It's the exact same drum beat with the open hi-hat on Supersonic. You hear that? That's the supersonic open hi-hat, and this is the closed hi-hat on open door. Open the door, I should say. See? So, anyway, I'll play this whole song on the way going out to give you a reference of what it sounds like. It's a fabulous song, but he, he did trick me. Um, and then after the first five or six songs, he went on to play a bunch of old 90s stuff. And just a few things here. These are all... Uh, completely uh, paraphrased by me, um, but I was clear-headed and sober, so I remember it quite well. So he dupes me on that song. And then at one other point, he says, so where are we? Nashville? No. He kind of talks to the crowd like he's actually talking to somebody when he's really, like he's talking to one person, but he's not really. So, so where are we? Nashville? No. Franklin? What is Franklin? <laughs> well, anyway, Hello. Uh, between another song, something along the lines of, so I hear there's a storm coming. Well, nice knowing you. If you survive, buy a T-shirt. And that storm that came in and hit Chattanooga, and it thrashed through Atlanta. It did not get us in Franklin. I don't know if it got other areas of Nashville or not, but we were monitoring this every minute of the weekend, and it was like, this is going to hit right at 10 o'clock. Like, right as Noel is starting his set, or maybe just a few songs in, Luckily, everybody they started everything early and cut sets early in the night short, and it just worked out. And the, uh, the, the, the winds shifted, and I don't know where the storm went, but it didn't come to Franklin, Tennessee, and it didn't come to Middle Tennessee as I drove home that night in the middle of the night. But the best thing he said that, that night in between songs was we got done playing his new stuff. And this is all, I'm just completely making this up, but this is the the uh, the gist, the meat of what he was saying. He said, okay, well, we're going to play some songs for you now from the 90s, back when everything was cool. Even you, even you were cool, referencing the crowd, referencing us, referencing America, really. And how I know he was referencing the country, because he said, until your country went and ruined it. Now, there was F-bombs all over the place here. I won't just insert them just for the sake of it. But he said, he said, yeah, your country ruined everything by creating the internet. You effed everything up. No offense. No offense. But you effed it up. And then, boom, he went back into 90s Oasis songs and everybody was happy. But that was uh, that was a fun, fun time. And the final big night other than this Friday uh, there's going to be a local show I'm going to go see which I'll talk about a little bit into next segment but the final kind of fun run through June as I settle it down for the middle and second half of the summer so back to the to the venue you might you might have heard of it but I I hadn't until I saw this show was booked and it is off in kind of the middle of nowhere Franklin and the pilgrimage festival takes place roughly in this same area. And think of, this is kind of Tennessee's version of kind of the Hollywood Hills. This is 
This is very wealthy land. This is like estates, like for real estates, not nonsense we call here in the suburbs. Like these massive, almost plantation-style looking um, properties, but with much more modern and beautiful architecture and also very old and possible, possibly re retrofitted and refitted old plantations as well. This is a very, very impressive area. And also, it, it, you just feel very out of place. And that was what my feeling was going to the Pilgrimage Festival many years ago. This is the exact same place. And it's this little two-lane highway that just takes you out to nowhere. There's nowhere to stay anywhere nearby. The hotels the closest by is whatever the... I, I don't even... I'm not familiar enough with the area to, to even try to describe it. Is where I-65 uh, connects with 840 which is a newer state highway that connects to Murfreesboro from Franklin. A bunch of roads I had never been on before. And you get there, and because this was not a very heavily attended concert, um, there was no real issues, and we got there early, and we had preferred parking paid up front. But almost no parking is paved, which I find to be weird, if this is going to be a new place that's going to be you know, having shows regularly. And this little two-lane highway that you can tell they've just added a third lane because it's you know pitch black asphalt on the side with brand new uh, uh, striping on it, and it's it's almost like they didn't anticipate the amount of traffic they, they were going to get because this was a lot of the local frustration with the place is is that it's it's out in the middle of nowhere, it's it's not easy to get to, and traffic is awful almost every time. Um, this is how it reads on the website to get to this First Bank Amphitheater in Franklin. From I-65 South, uh, take exit 30 off 840 Franklin slash Lewisburg onto 431 South to the right. Continue for about one mile. Think about that. That's how it's worded. Continue for about one mile. On 431 South until you pass Cowles Chapel Methodist Church. And take the next left onto Harpeth School Road. At the stop sign, you'll see the First Bank Amphitheater sign. Proceed straight ahead. I, the, all that's missing is a white picket fence and a house on the hill. Hang a left past the third oak tree. I mean, it's, it's pretty stupid. It really, really is. But once you get settled, once you sit down, and once you get into this, into this venue, it is built into like this big rock quarry. And it really does have a Red Rocks feel to it. I'm not trying to say that it's anything near like that. If you're not familiar with Red Rocks, I don't have time to explain it to you. Do a quick Google search. It'll, be, it'll tell you everything you need to know. But really, when you look at the layout of Red Rocks, the seating is less than ideal. And this seating in this rock quarry, which Red Rocks isn't a rock quarry, but it is a rock formation, kind of a natural um, environment, na you know, nature environment that they just built the amphitheater into. Well, that's basically the same thing they've done here. The difference is, is this looks literally like a place where they just were there mining and busting up rock for gravel and earth. Instead, they just stopped doing that and then built an amphitheater into it. Um, all the way on the outside where these rock walls are, there's lots of like uh, vegetation, green moss, and things you can't really see during the day, but when the sun goes down, the lights 
reflect off of those rocks. It just looks really, really cool. Kind of similar a little bit as to what they, how they do it out at Red Rocks. I can't remember what city Red Rocks is in. It's not Denver proper, but it is, it is in Colorado and not too far from Denver. But a lot of very, very similar kind of um, layout. Now it is more fabricated and kind of manufactured. But um, I loved it. I thought it was really, really, really cool. And will I go again? Not likely, because it's nowhere near anything. It's nowhere near anybody I know who lives in Nashville. It's kind of close to Murfreesboro, but, I mean, who wants to stay there? It's certainly not close to Chattanooga or anything, so I'll go again someday. But uh, they wouldn't let me bring my damn Delta 8 pin in. I will tell you that. Completely legal vape pin. I had to. I didn't have to throw it away, but I wasn't going to walk all the way back to the car. So I haven't had that in several days. So if you go to First Bank Amphitheater in Franklin, don't take a take a legal Delta 8 pin because they won't let you in with it. Uh, and then there was some other stuff here I was going to look at as far as from the website, but there's no reason to do that. So that brings me to the Chattanooga Times Free Press article from Barry Corder from June 1st. Does Chattanooga need an amphitheater for bigger concerts? I think, just to quickly answer that question, no, I don't think we do. I don't think we can support that. I don't know who's going to pay for it. I actually did some Google searches trying to figure out who spearheaded this venue in Franklin. Who was behind it? Was it completely public money? Was it a, a mixture of private and public? Probably the latter is true, but I couldn't find anything about it. And there's this talk has been going on around here for a couple of decades and I don't think it makes any more sense now than it used to. I Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. We have the McKenzie Arena at 9,000 seat. Then we got the small places like JJ's and Clyde's, about a couple, you know, a couple hundred people tops. The Barrel House Ballroom, where I'll be on Friday, up to 500. The Walker Theater, which totally sucks, goes up to 850. The Signal, 1500, which the new one is quite nice. The Tivoli, which I love, 1700, which I heard it was closed for an extended period of time. I only heard that. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned until I fact-checked it. And then the, the Moral Auditorium, which I don't like, holds up to 3,700. Do we need something like that here? I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. We've been doing a pretty good job with the Tivoli Memorial Walker and Barrel House, or if it wasn't Barrel House, it was Revelry Room, or before that, Songbirds. And the Signal does seemingly a pretty good job as well. It feels like we might be at our capacity of the kinds of bands are going to come through here and play a big amphitheater. If we did have that, where would we put it? Where would we put it that it makes sense? And I can't think of geographically in my head where we would do that. And I don't know. That's a big fat I don't know. Do we need an amphitheater for the city of Chattanooga? That's the million-dollar question that I don't think is going to be, well, I know it's not going to be answered anytime soon, and it certainly isn't going to be done with any public funds, especially after what seems to be a disaster so far during the early stages of the new Lookouts development that they haven't even tested soil, let alone move dirt around. That I'm not going to get into it right now, and I, but I will at some point. But the Weston Womp concern of rushing that through a little over a year ago... He might have been on to something. So you can be you can rest assured that whatever, if we were to have an amphitheater here in the city of Chattanooga, it would be a completely privately funded venture. And I just don't know who's gonna step out on that limb and do that. And I can't say I blame anybody 
who says they don't want to get into that business. When we have plenty of places now to play. We always had the Tivoli Memorial, but they, you know, they treated us like children. They wouldn't even serve us a goddamn beer. So I think we're doing all right. I don't think we necessarily need that at this time. So this is that song I was telling you about, the Noel Gallagher from the new record. Council Skies is the name of the album. This song is called Open the Door and See What You Find. Coming up next, Kevin West is retiring from radio. And I'm going to only be kind of myself. It happens to be happening the same week on an anniversary date of mine. Speaking of people who no longer work at the Talk Monster, Talk Radio 102.3, just they happen to be two completely different circumstances. I'll get to all that coming up next. begin this good news segment with definitely a high point in the career of Naval Officer Kevin West. Yep, that Kevin West. You hear him on WGOW AM and FM each weekday morning. Kevin is part of the morning press and you see him there standing next to me alongside Mickey McCamish and Jared Staney, who is the general manager of Kevin's radio stations. Why are we saluting Kevin West? After 25 years in the United States Navy and Navy Reserve, Kevin is retiring. He has been in 32 different countries in his service to our great country, but now it's official. Captain Kevin West, you can add those three letters after his name, R-E-T. That was a year ago. That's Chip Chapman from whatever news channel he works at. Love Chip. Chip's a good guy friend of mine playing the uh, leaving on a jet plane version by the driving and crying because well the leaving thing and uh, driving and crying is going to be at the barrel house ballroom on Friday along with a band called bag men that is Steve Gorman original founding member member and drummer of the black crows along with Luther Dickinson founder of the North Mississippi All-Stars. That's actually a really nice little one-two punch of band members. And um, so that'll be Friday. So I'll be there. It was John Denver that did this. Leaving on a jet plane, right? Anyway. So long, Kevin West, and congratulations. All right? Let's get that out there first. Being able to retire and have a long, lengthy, fulfilling, meaningful life in, in any situation whether it be just life in general or you know your your professional environment is uh is something to be celebrated no doubt absolutely 100 and i didn't realize it had been now 25 freaking years since he was uh what i believe was pretty much adjunctively joining the navy at the last possible minute and i remember when it happened or at least i remember them talking about it, it was shortly after i came to work there the cutoff to join the Navy is 39 years old. And I think Kevin was right at that age, 39 years old. I'm just going to leave that sitting right there 
and I'm not going to talk about that anymore. I don't know much of anything of Kevin's career in the Navy other than the little amounts of stuff we talked about on the air and the little amounts that um, that everybody kind of knows. I didn't know a lot about it, so I'm not going to have any judgments as to whether it was great, good, bad, wonderful, none of that. I'm sure it was great, okay? Thank you, blah, blah, blah. Awesome, all right? All I know Kevin is as, as a radio guy, and I've known of him for a very, very long time. And I'm going to try to not be a dick here, but there's a lot of history that doesn't involve him at all. But it, I mean, it, it does somewhat, but not really. But there's a lot of history here, and there's a lot of hard feelings that are never going to go away. So just, I'll get that out there, and I'll just go from here. I have a lot of tentacles that involve Kevin West. Fr- family friends, colleagues, um, I have friends who are who he's married into a family that they are part of. Um, I remember my earliest dates are going back to many, many Mox football games at Chamberlain Field, and Kevin West was a PA announcer. And my dad hated his voice and always talked about how, how the hell does this guy get to be the PA announcer? I just have a recollection of that as a, a young kid at the Mox football games. Then I knew him as, you know, the guy on the radio, along with the other names, Jim Reynolds, who's a family friend, also a lot of tentacles. Just a lot of connections here, a lot of connective tissue. And then, of course, Jeff Styles, And he's a great dad. He's a great friend. He's a wonderful guy, right? He's just so nice. Nicest guy ever, right? Yeah, we all agree. Okay, blah, 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 blah. But he is not infallible. And... He will primarily not be missed on the radio because, as I mentioned earlier, his radio station is a sewer. But he has done very, very nice work for a very, very long time. So I'll put it this way to start. Kevin West did not hire me. He did not open any doors that weren't already open. He didn't give me opportunities that somebody else didn't already give me. Hell, Scott Chase the son of a bitch who works for KZ106, that scummy asshole did more for me professionally than Kevin West ever thought of. That's not that that's not Kevin's problem or issue or fault. There's not I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just giving you the facts of the matter. Is that Kevin was just a coworker of mine or a acquaintance or a friend or a guy I listened to on the radio as a very young person or at a mox football game. He didn't give me work I didn't already have. He didn't encourage me, certainly didn't discourage me. Just like with everything else in life, he remains very neutral in just about everything, which is a fine trait. But he did, however, treat me like a professional. He stayed out of my way, and he let me work. When he took over as a program director, and I'm going to get, I think that was around 2014, so almost 10 years ago which I don't have enough time to get into that when Bill Lockhart stepped down, which I wish he never would have done. I know why he was doing what he did, and I won't get into that now because that's his business. But um, consolidating that position of program director and news director effectively was eliminating one of them. And it wasn't eliminating the news director position because that's what Kevin does and does the best. That's what he is the best at, gathering and delivering news on the radio. And broadcasting professionally. That's what he does the best. The What got dissolved when that merger happened was the programming angle. 
was the quote-unquote program director of the radio station. Kevin West didn't direct any programs, ever. He was a a total yes man to the company. And it worked him very well for, for him for a very long time. He was not a program director. It said PD on a piece of paper, but he was a news director and that was it. The rest, what he did was a lot of paperwork, a lot of formalities, a lot of uh, emails telling everybody how great they were, and uh, very little management of any talent or any actual programming. I was in all these meetings every single week for years and years, the programming meetings. Every single word that came out of his mouth was in one ear and out the other of everybody in that room who were doing daily on-air radio shows, which at the time were limping down the road from what their once greatness, greatness was, but still pretty good. But this is what happens when talent is not managed. And this is what happens when programming is not managed properly. And the more I think about it, the more I realize, you know what? I believe it was 11 or 12 when he took over that dual role. So it's been oh, it's been over 10 years. Absolutely it was, but well before 2012 now that I think about it. Cuz I was involved in all these every day. I mean, I worked there day in day out for five solid straight years at that at that stretch from 2010 to 2016. And when I mentioned earlier that Kevin is not infallible, of course none of us are. But I said that for a very specific reason, and I'll get to what that is here in just a minute. But first of all, I'll back up just a little bit. I have not spoken with Kevin West since before he left on a nearly year and a half trip to the Middle East and all over Africa and all over the that side of the world. He was deployed with zero return homes for well over a year. And that was around late, early 2015, late 2014, somewhere in there, or may, what, wherever it was. Whenever it was, it was somewhere in the middle of that decade. And while he was gone on that deployment, June 24th, 2016, was when that piece of shit, John Lewis, who is now back in that position as market manager at Cumulus here locally, and that equal piece of garbage, Scott Chase, fired me with that nonsense of the Facebook messaging that if you care, you know, and if you don't, it's all still there. Go listen to it. I will never forgive those two pieces of shit for that. And for some reason since then, I have never spoken with Kevin West again. It is not done by design or on purpose. It's just how it all shook out. I think there's a part of me back then that was angry that he didn't reach out and 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 just check in on me. I think there's a little bit of that. I, I don't feel it now. I don't care about it now, but I think I did then. Hell, I was mad as hell at Jeff Styles. I didn't talk to Jeff Styles for years. He ain't got a goddamn thing to do with it, nor does he care at all. <laughs> you know? And so that's not fair on my part. That's not fair. I'm just giving you the reality of of my feelings and the situation. And by the time he got back, which I don't know when that was, I was long gone. But here is where Kevin West messed up, and he messed up badly. Kevin West has only hired, to my knowledge, one person, one single person in his tenure as, quote-unquote, the boss. He hired Brian Joyce. 
And I believe that was in 2012, if memory serves. Because he was about 35, I was 32, I'm now 43, I believe he's going on 46. Kevin West made one meaningful hire as the program director of WGOW-FM Talk Radio 102.3 in the 10 years he held that position, and it was Brian Joyce. He is responsible for this. And not only did he hire him, he backed him, which I understand. You want to go with the guy you brought in. You want to you lift up your guy. Looks bad, looks poor, poor reflection on you if it doesn't work out. Well, guess, guess what, Kevbo? It's a reflection on you when it doesn't work out because of the toxic, terrible nature he is for this city. He is not good, Brian Joyce. He is not good for this community. He does not do well. He is a terribly tortured soul, narcissistic beyond anything I have ever come in contact with, and I have been in the room with some doozies, bro. All right? This guy has not changed a single bit, seemingly in his entire life, but certainly not since the moment he stepped foot in this town and in that studio on 821 Pineville Road over 10 years ago. Kevin West is responsible for the poison that is Brian Joyce in this city. And not just me, many others that he continued to attack on social media later that decade in 2017 and beyond. The, the disgusting nature, the bullying he does on the air, the bullying he did on social media. Kevin, let that happen. He didn't try to hold it back. He didn't try to stop it. I've talked to people inside the building. I have moles in that building. I won't name who they are. I don't hate everybody there. I lo- Well, there's almost nobody left, <laughs> quite literally. But I loved so many people and still do and talk to many of them all the time. One in particular, which I'll get to in a minute, who's the real hero of local broadcasting who's retiring this year, Bill Lockhart. I'll get to that here in a minute. Kevin West facilitated this. Kevin West allowed this toxin to pollute, not just the airwaves, who cares about that crappy radio station, to pollute this city. This is not a very big place. Most of us who have been doing these kinds of jobs in this kind of industry, in this local media market, love and cherish this city and know it like the back of our hands and and are proud of it. And this little, small man, Brian Joyce, who has treated people poorly, he treats people badly. Kevin West not only brought him here, but then facilitated it and continued to prop it up and continued to allow it to happen and never got in the way because he never got in the way of any talent to his detriment. He did not manage egos. He did not manage talent. The inmates are running or did run, and what's left of them have still continued to run the asylum, and they ran it straight into the ground. Jeff Styles is a big boy. He can speak for himself, but I will just go out and say he has told me that he was disappointed beyond belief that Kevin did not go to bat for him in his time of need with all his legal troubles that are well-documented over whenever it was the last five years ago or so. Now, that's between Jeff and Kevin. That's not a greater point I'm trying to make. But, for the record, all of that eventually was dismissed and thrown out. 
I'm not here trying to apologize for Jeff and say feel boo-hoo and feel bad for him. But that radio station meant everything to me. And it belonged to him and many others far more than it belonged to me. But it was a huge part of my life for a very, very long time. And something that big, something that unique, something that special is far bigger than the drive home talking sports or the financial conversation on your lunch break or the morning show with Jeff Styles, the quarterback of the radio station for a quarter century or the piece of shit you hired to poison Chattanooga airwaves and social life and and nightlife for that matter, Brian Joyce and constant manicuring and management and care and concern and dictation at times if needed is necessary to sustain such a vulnerable and fragile, top-heavy, massive ship on oceans of airwaves in this city, and he did not do a good job of that. You know who did do a good job of that? You know who was one of the greatest programming radio minds I've ever had the privilege of being around in my life? Bill Lockhart. For whatever reason that he felt like he needed to leave that position, it was the beginning of the end the slow, choking away death of that, and this is a Bill Lockhart quote, that once great radio station. So I will start to close with saying I wish Kevin West all the best in the world. And I sincerely, genuinely, and honestly hope that I speak with him again. And I hope that he holds me in high regard because I hold him in high regard. But he will not be missed because you can't miss something that you've already missed and lost a long, long time ago. And Bill Lockhart is, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn here or not, but I'm going to do it anyway, is retiring December 15th of this year. And it will be criminal. It will be a goddamn shame if Bill is not celebrated on his way out in the last six months of his illustriously amazing, productive, at times wildly successful and wonderful career. Bill Lockhart managed men. Bill Lockhart managed egos. Bill Lockhart told you when you were having a bad day and how to get better at it. Bill Lockhart would tell you when you were great as quickly as he would tell you that you were falling asleep at the wheel. Bill Lockhart understands the science of the talk format. Bill Lockhart knew how to take great men with great talent and put them in positions to succeed. And he is retiring this year and should be celebrated for an amazing career. Kevin West is a really, really, really nice guy who did a really, really nice job broadcasting the news on the radio. And I wish them both well. And that's about all I got for you today. I've jokingly said, wasn't a joke, but I said it jokingly, but I meant it. I'll come back and save that radio station. WGOW, Talk Radio 102.3. I'll come save you. If you just get rid of Scott Chase and if Kevin West is not the boss, well, we're halfway there. But I'm serious. There's no amount of money or job title in the world they could offer me to go work underneath the operations management of Scott Chase and also with John Lewis. I mean, again, a guy nobody knows who he is, but just another piece of work. 
but yeah, those days are long gone, and uh, I do miss them. I do miss them, and I'll, it'll always mean a lot to me. And that's why I talk about it still with some regularity. Talk to you next week. See you later. Bye.